You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. So, guys, I want to I jump straight into Scripture, if that's all right. There was a, there was a passage mentioned in our know, candid conversation. Uh, it's actually a passage that's found in two, uh, pa- uh, two Gospels, um, Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. It is the parable of the talents. So I love that it's found in Matthew and Luke, because if we know about the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew is written to, to a Jewish audience, and the Gospel of Luke, he's a doctor, he's writing more towards a Gentile audience. So it kind of covers everyone to me. That's telling us that, that this parable and the principle we find in it is, is for everybody, um, that we can take it and we can apply it to our world. We don't have to have a, a, you know, some, some type of traditionally Jewish mindset to grab it. No, there's, there's real practical principles in this parable that we can apply to our world. Um, and so if, if you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew 25. Uh, if you don't have a Bible today, that's okay. Uh, it's going to be up on the screen and, and you can follow along. Uh, it is quite a long parable. Um, But stay with me. Uh, I'm going to get through all your Bible reading for uh, the weekend in one go. All right, here we go. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, which is new for me, um, but that's okay. I'm learning. For the kingdom of heaven, starting at verse 14, is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and bought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at at my coming. Uh, And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence here this morning. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that uh, it is a living thing, that it goes to work in our lives, shaping, molding. Uh, And I pray today that as we explore your word and the principles that you have placed in your word uh, to find financial freedom in our lives, God, I pray Uh, that your Holy Spirit would bring fresh revelation uh, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, uh, we pray for the Jets. God, we pray that even though they drew with Western Sydney, God, that they would find your favor in the next round. uh, In Jesus' name, amen. You can't tell me prayer doesn't work. Second place, wooden spoon to second place. Come on. 
It's all right. All of you that are a little bit funny that I pray for it, you'll be all right. Can I tell you a story? When I was young as a Christian, uh, and sometimes uh, young and naive is a, is a fantastic breeding ground for faith. Because you haven't experienced enough disappointment uh, to diminish your faith. And, uh, and so I was actually sitting uh, in, a, in a, a different um, service. I, I actually, I got saved at, uh, at another C3 church, and C3NC in the city. And um, I was sitting there one day, and uh, someone who, um, who goes over to Africa and, and starts schools for um, the, the underprivileged children in Africa came to talk to us in the service. Uh, I believe that we supported them through, through uh, you know, our vision uh, towards mission and things like that. But uh, she came and she started sharing about all that they did. And I, I tell you, my heart just went out. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is like their hands and feet. I mean, I'm a school teacher, so probably, you know, um, tweaked a few things in me about that. But I was like, what an awesome expression of some practical uh, outworking of God's love and His care, uh, uh, creating a doorway uh, for, for children to hear about the gospel. And, and I, was, I was taken by it. And, and I remember someone um, towards the end, uh, might have been in like a, a sort of a session afterwards where it was a bit of a Q&A, someone asked her, how much does it cost to set up a school and run it for a year? And she said it costs $100,000 to set up a school and run it for a year. And immediately, I don't, I don't get a lot of visions, like clear visions. I get, I get, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I get like a sense in my spirit, it's like a word or something like that. But in that moment, I got the clearest vision of me writing a check for $100,000 and going up and going, you know, I, I, I can't go, but you can go, so go. Go and do it. I, w- I want to I be the one that, that helps you to go and do it. And ever since then, I've had a real passion to be able to facilitate someone else's vision. I've always wanted, when, when someone comes to me and they have an audacious vision, but they don't have finance, I've this dream to be the person who can provide the one thing that's restricting the, the audacious faith visions of the kingdom of God going out and, and, and being done on planet earth, right? When, when people have a vision to go and do something crazy that's going to impact lives, but the one thing that's restricting them is finance, I think that that is ridiculous. I think that we should be able to be, be behind them going, you know what, we can provide, we can, we can, we can open that door for you. If that's the only thing that's stopping you, Go, go and do it. Uh, and I guess that, that runs in me quite passionately. And here's the thing, I was, I was a uni student. I don't know how many uni students I have here or how many people remember your salary when you were a uni student, but uh, it's, uh, it's nowhere near $100,000, right? Um, I, was, I was working casually at a, a clothing retail store and, and, you know, without an astronomical miracle, there was no way I was going to be able to fulfill that vision. And so I, I wonder why I got it. I can tell you why I got it. I got it because I believe one day I will do something like that. But secondly, I believe because that vision seeded in me a journey that, um, that prompted me to go seeking how I could get to that point. You know, sometimes God puts a vision in our heart that's got enough gap that it prompts us to go and find what we need to do to close that gap. 
Right, For some of you, you've got a vision of a great marriage and it seems so far away, but God's given you the vision to, to get you off your backside so you go and do something to invest in, in, in your marriage. Some, some of you have a dream of a particular career, but you're sitting on the couch and, and, and the gap seems so big, but maybe the gap is there, maybe the vision is there to prompt you to get off your couch and go and get some training uh, so that you can actually begin to walk towards the vision that God's put in your heart. The vision is not wrong, but the vision is there as a seed to prompt you to go and do something. And so that began a journey for me around investing. Now, as a young man, uh, I guess I, I just always loved the idea of creating finance, creating wealth. Now, before I got saved, that was all for me. Uh, I was going to have you know, an Aston Martin vanquish, and you know, who knows, maybe one day uh, in heaven, I might, we might be able to drive them on pearly, pearly you know, diamond streets. But, um, and so it wasn't so much that the idea of developing wealth was wrong, but I tell you, when I came into the kingdom of God and he began to, to refine and, and, and what the word says, transform my thinking, I began to realize that there was a far greater purpose for developing wealth than my own selfish gain. It was that wealth actually was able to release so much of the practical elements of the kingdom of God uh, that I began to get really excited. Man, imagine if the church had enough finance to be able to do all these incredible things. And so I began a journey of, of discovering, well, what does it mean to be wealthy in the kingdom? For some of you, you're already feeling like you've got ants in your pants because I talked about being rich and a Christian. Uh, it's going to be okay. You see, investment was not just something that the worldly used to get rich, but God himself is a God of increase. If we look through Scripture, we see that God is all about the excessive. His, his, God, his love is lavish. He's about abundance above and beyond the need. He's, he's about multiply and expand and spread out. He's consistently telling us to make our world bigger and, and our love greater. And there's this whole idea about God's character that's, that's uh, consistent with increase. So why should that not apply to our finances? Can I just ask that? Why should we not apply that to, to the real provision that God's placed in our life? Why is it that we separate provision from God's character when provision came from God's character? Now, before you, before you get too confused, let's, let's be honest, the context of this parable today is about the kingdom of God. It talks about, Jesus tells this to explain the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God is, is like this story. So we need to understand that we need to both keep the passage in context, even when we're applying elements of it. And so what we have to remember is that our, our provision actually comes out of the kingdom of God. There's many things in the kingdom of God and, and we've used this passage to preach many of them, right? There's, there's gifts given to us out of the kingdom of God. There's, there's revelations given to us out of the kingdom of God. There's, 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 there's an element of time given to us out of the kingdom of God, right? There's these, these things that are given to us out of the kingdom of God that we can apply the same principles to that we find in this passage. We're all talking about, hey, we should use our gifts uh, to the best of our ability so that the return on those gifts uh, brings glory to God. Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's not forget provision. Let's not forget the finance in our world also comes from the kingdom of God. And so we can take this passage and we can apply it to our finances as well. Now, we are told this man leaves his, his goods. Other translations use the words money, possessions, uh, and some use this word talent. Now, like, like I said, I love the idea that in this, in this series, each time uh, when Pastor Keith talked about the tithe, he went back to the law of first mention. And last week when we talked about seeding and, and planting for a harvest and, and, and talked about generosity, we went back to this idea of when were we first defined as being blessed. And so I thought, well, let's, 
Let's look at this word talent because it's an obscure word to me. Where is its first mention? Well, uh, funnily enough, glad you asked, its first mention is in Exodus, all right? And actually, God uses the word. He uses it as he is describing the specific amounts of gold and silver that the Israelites are to use to build uh, the Ark of the Covenant for the tabernacle. Isn't it interesting that God uses this word here to talk about building his, uh, the, the thing that represented his presence on planet Earth, right? Building the thing that, that houses his presence on planet earth, not like the church at all these days, right? Like the the thing on planet earth that houses his presence, he uses the word talent. Now talent is actually a measure of weight. And it's a measure of weight that was uh, specifically used to define value. Uh, And so it it was a weight that's, that, that define the value of a precious metal. So people would have said uh, a, a talent of gold is worth two talents of silver. All right, so the, the weight lent itself to value. Now, funnily enough, as we, as we begin to apply that, uh, we notice that although we have at times applied the idea of a literal talent, oh, I'm really good at doing this, um, from this passage and, and, and spoke out of that, about that, nothing wrong with that, but, but it's like we've hesitated to apply uh, the, the word talent to what it actually means, which is a weight of gold that we receive. And I, I just think maybe, maybe that's because the, the servants in this story, had, they had a revelation, they had an understanding that sometimes in today's modern age, it's, it's just easy to let go of. And that is, that is they firmly understood because, because it, was, it was a hand-to-hand transaction that, that the gold that they now held actually came from the master. So often I think we think our gold comes from our workplace. Our, our income comes from our employer. No, uh, uh, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Your your income, actually your provision in your world, first and foremost comes from God. Now he might pass it through your employer, okay? But ultimately, the source of your provision is God, all right? It is God. And so, right, we need to understand that all we see is money arriving in our bank account. And so it's easy to make this disconnect. But, but when, we, when we reconnect, that, that money is, is actually given to us as provision from God for life on planet Earth in this time, we begin to realize that God gave us the whole bundle that he gave us with a purpose. All right? Now, this, something that, that we notice as we go down through this is that one, one person in our story gets five Talents, five. Bags of gold, five. Here's five, right? One gets, one gets two, and one gets, gets one. This is a great moment reading Scripture to not get offended at the size of your paycheck compared with someone else. There is differences, and that's okay. Because, because the, the blessing that comes at the conclusion of this, the, what is celebrated is not the size of the return, it's the faithfulness of the stewardship. Right, so, so this immediately negates our, our, our desire to compare. No, you don't need to compare amounts. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you should just be faithful. Just be faithful. And so this whole series, we've really been talking about, well, what does it mean to be faithful with finance? The tithe is part of that. The tithe is the first part of our, our faithful stewardship of finance. Utilizing money to bless people whether or not we, depending on what we seed it into, right? It is as much a part 
of faithful stewardship of the finance we've been given, okay, as, as is not going into ridiculous debt. And I'm here today to, to prompt that from this passage, what we, can, what we can grasp is actually there's a third element to faithful finance, um, and that's to do with investing. It's to do with putting our money to, to work. See, I believe that God, that what we receive from God has a purpose. And I believe that God is an increase, a God, sorry, God of increase. And, and that often what holds us back is some of us have an incorrect view of God ideas around money. You see, if we read this parable, what we find is that two of the three are celebrated for their faithfulness. Two of the three are celebrated for their increase and it's called faithful. But the third servant, he, he gets it a little bit, right? Like lazy. That's a rough word. Wicked. <laughs> I've written here, he gets admonished. But let, before you judge the third servant, before you, you, know, you put the judgment pants on, his issue was not poor money skills. His issue was not that he didn't get enough to begin with, to do something with. His issue was not that he spent all that he was given. They were not the things he was admonished for. He was admonished because his incorrect view of the master created fear around finance. An incorrect view that actually what the master was after was faithfulness toward increase. He didn't think that that was what the master was like. And I just wonder today whether we walk in here I mean, I've been, I've been around church long enough to see the progression of ideas uh, around money, right? Like there was this, a long time ago, we thought we weren't allowed any money. We thought we had to be, had to be poor and, and meek and mild. And yes, I know that the meek inherit the kingdom of God, and that's great. But, but in terms of finance, we thought we, oh, we had to be like, like, like monks who have nothing. And that's going to show the kingdom of God. And then we realized, well, that's not quite right, um, because then... then this doesn't make sense. So then, then we're like, well, all the money we get, we, have, we got this mindset, I believe it was around the 80s, right? We got this mindset where, where all the money we get, we've got to be so ridiculously generous, we just give it all away, all the way, right? You talk to my wife, when we were first married, I still totally had that mindset. We'd be sitting in conferences and things, and I'd be like, let's clear out our account. Let's just clear it out, right? I can't outgive God, right? Which is the truth. But here's the thing, here's the thing. With, with Revelation often has two sides, faith and wisdom. And, and Jesus sits in the middle and holds the tension. I learned that from a far more wise pastor than myself, but it made so much sense. I was talking to him about giving campaigns around, around buildings. They just built a great building. And, and I was like, how do you balance faith in giving and wisdom? Because I believe bad stewardship is giving to go into debt. I don't believe you should ever do that. And he said, well, Jesus holds the tension. Sometimes he wants you to lean towards the revelation that you can't outgive God and that God's incredibly generous and that when you do give astronomically, he will provide. And I, I believe all that. But on the other side of the coin, here we've got a parable about stewardship. And we get taught about being wise with our finance. We're all through Proverbs, talks about wisdom, wisdom, financial wisdom. And so, and so actually we need to weigh each and every situation 
and go to Jesus and have a personal conversation with our personal Savior and the personal relationship that we have with Him and go, well, Jesus, in this particular moment, which way do you want me to lean? Am I leaning to wisdom on this one? Am I, am I, are you prompting me just to, just to be a little bit more in faith? But we went through this season where we just gave it all away. But that just meant that now we were the ones in need. And that doesn't really solve any problem, it just transfers the problem. I believe that God's desire is that we increase and have an abundance for every good work. I believe that faithful stewardship of provision will lead to us having enough to tithe, to seed, to invest, and to live. I believe that that is, that is uh, taking wisdom right throughout Scripture and applying it to the provision that God's given us. It enables us to create opportunities to give. It enables us to create opportunities to invest. It, it enables us to tithe. Uh, and I tell you what that does, above all, above all else, that brings freedom to your financial world. Because when your finances are managed in such a way that you can tithe, give, invest, and live, you no longer live under the fear of not enough. You no longer live bound up by, by the direction of money. Money no longer makes choices for you. Money no longer dictates what you can do and what you can't do. It's actually about freedom. This whole series is actually about freedom. It's about seeing our church released into a greater level of freedom around our finances so that we can begin not just to live a life that demonstrates that God is a great God, a good God, a God of increase, but that we're actually able to do some incredible and inspiring and amazing things in His kingdom that are gonna see salvations and, and fruit in people's lives. It's about freedom. Servants in our parable today, well, they, they, they took the talents and, and according to different translations, they either traded, invested, or, or they went to work. What you do with your money will impact its increase. Now, I, I mean, I firmly believe we should, as an element of our finance, plan to invest. But I'm not going to tell you what to invest in. Because there is, there's a key passage, a key verse, a key statement in, in this parable that says that they were given a, a, an amount according to their ability. Now, there are some people within our church community that, that they have trained, they have skills that I will never have around wise investing. I would encourage you to seek out advice. I would, you know, Proverbs tells us to get wise counsel. What we're talking about this morning is not what to invest in, but the fact that investment is a part of wise stewardship. What you do beyond now is, is part of your journey of wisdom. It's a part of your journey of actually applying revelation. And I can tell you that one of the best things you can do is book an appointment with someone who has the ability that you don't have. All right, go and, go and see someone and say, say, I believe I've got revelation that I should be doing this. Don't do it just because I told you. Get revelation that this is a part of God's plan for your life and your finances and then go and see somebody who can give you actual direction on it. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that actually it was God himself initially who gave us the power to create wealth. 
Isn't that interesting? God's, God's never been afraid of increase. He's never been afraid of wealth. Uh, he, he was the one right in the beginning that designed us with these incredible brains and these incredible capacities to take, to take our money and, and, and to see it grow and to see it expand. He was the one that gave us that power in the first place. So here we go. This is where all the people who love to take notes will celebrate because I actually have two really clear points. I know, it's, it's a miracle. Investment does two things. All right. The first thing it does is investment leads to increase. I know, it's not rocket science. It's, it's not super deep, but increase does two things. Increase provides influence. Proverbs 11.10 tells us that when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. And by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Increase has this funny thing where increase provides influence at a city level. Our increase provides an influence that we can have at a city level. Let me, let me, let me see if I can make this practical. As we increase in finance... Okay, we might have the capacity to put meals together for one person. But as we increase, we suddenly have the capacity to build buildings that are going to impact communities. So as we increase, our influence increases to the level of the city. Not only that, but just in a purely kind of, kind of practical setting, as, as our increase expands the world notices. They invite you to come and sit on things like, like city, city council chamber things. I know that C3NC have got, got somebody sitting on the, I think, I think it's the business chamber at Lake Macquarie City Council. I think, where's Simon? I think you're a part of something like that. Increase leads to influence at a city level. Not to pull too many people out here, but I know, you know we know Emil's story. A young boy wanted to be a pilot, he owns an airline. Don't tell me that his increase hasn't given him an influence at a city level. The people on his plane, the places he gets to go, increase leads to influence. The second thing that increase leads to is opportunity. Sorry, second thing, we get influenced at a city level. We get increased influences our opportunities. Let me take you back to my story at the start. Without increase, I would never be able to fulfill that opportunity. Like I said, I never believe, I don't believe I was ever supposed to in that moment. If I had tried, it would have been unwise. But I do believe that as I increase, I'll be able to take more and more of those opportunities. My increase will influence the opportunities that I'm able to take. It will influence the opportunities that might come my way. Increase will influence your opportunities. The second thing that increase does is it leads to independence. I don't, I don't want you to hear me say anything here about being self-made or anything like that. No, this is, this is all through God. He was the one at the beginning that gave us the power to create wealth. But 
Imagine if you weren't tied to needing your job for its financial provision. What if you stewarded, invested to a point where your money that you'd invested was providing you with enough that you were free to do whatever God put on your heart to do on a particular day. If you, if you were free to, to jump on board the mission trip that we were gonna take up to, to a women's refuge. You know, well, I'm not tied to my job, I don't need it. My faithful stewardship has provided me with an independent, a level of independence financially that I'm free to go and to do. Don't let this, don't let the gap between that statement and your current place squash you. Let it spur you. See, the second reason we should invest is actually to do with leaving an inheritance. Here's the thing, you may never get actually to, to walk in, in the fullness of the complete freedom of, of independence from, from the financial restrictions of a job, but you can certainly set a platform so that maybe your kids can, or maybe your children's children can. There is so much power in inheritance and, and, and in legacy. All you need to do is look at David and Solomon to look at, at the power of inheritance and the power of legacy. Proverbs 13, 22 tells us that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I think sometimes we have too short a view. Our perspective is too limited. It's, our perspective is about our life. But what if our perspective of what we did with our finances in our life stretched to the freedom it could provide for generations? I know that for, for Rachel and I, we've, we've been a direct recipient of that level of mindset. Proverbs 19, 14 says, Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Amen, it is. But houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers. I'm, I'm, I'm so aware of the climate surrounding houses at present in our nation. But, but can I tell you, Rachel and I, we, we own a house for one reason and one reason only is because we received an inheritance that was able to pay for the deposit on our house. There's no other way that we would have been able to get a house at our age. Don't tell me that a legacy doesn't impact the children's children. That was an inheritance we received from, from Rachel's grand. Generational impact. Generational change because someone's stewardship I want to land this plane. I got to, I got to go. I got the privilege of speaking out of our Northwest campus as well. I need, I need three volunteers. I have three people. I, just, I, want, to, I want to land this plane with a, a visual representation of what this whole series has been about. If you, if you would like to be involved, first three people up this set of stairs, go, go. Wow, everyone's, everyone's falling asleep. One, two, yes, Jim, come on. All right, now this is in no way an indication of their current financial state in any way, shape or form, all right? But the Scripture tells us that the master left some with one, some with two, 
and so in five. Don't eat the apples, all right? Now, this, this, this is this whole series. Take the elastic band off and, and be careful. I've pre-cut. Now, I'm gonna start with Jim. Jim, we've learned about the tithe. So the tithe is a tenth. So I've, I've cut your apple, one apple that you've received. I've cut it in 10 pieces. Can I, can I have a piece? I'm gonna represent the master. This is how we use our finance wisely, one piece, tithe. And you've got a revelation that when you seed, you receive a harvest and that God's character is about generosity and we're looking to be, we know we're blessed, so we look to be a blessing. So let's, let's go with another tenth. Let's aim to make our life about a tenth. Now the funny thing is that that tenth holds a seed. I love that, right? This thing right there. And, and, and we've just heard a message about investing. So let's, let's marry our, our level of generosity with our level of, of building something to leave a legacy. So let's go with another tenth. Hold the seed as well. How much are you left with? 70%. Here's the thing. The tithe is a tithe. We're going to leave that with God. But the seed, we plant it. And we plant it and it becomes a tree. And we, we, get to, we get to take the apples off that tree and do the same thing. But when, when we take one and we invest it, let's say we invest it over here, we don't touch that. And all the trees that grow from that, well, they fall to the ground with more apples. And over here, as we're just leaving it over time, we don't end up with a tree. We, we end up with an orchard. And, and the orchard, we get to pass on to the next generation. Now, now that was just one. And, and that, might, that might seem significant to the people that have one. But let's go over here. You've got two, so... Tenth tithe would be. So it gets harder when you got more. It's the tithe, and and then we're going to plant this one in the ground, and it's going to produce the tree because we're allowed to harvest what we sow. And then we're going to go and plant our orchard. Now, last but not least. I didn't cut enough of your apples. It's not quite going to work. But you're five. So, so maths would tell us that tithe works out to be a half of that apple. So we're going we're to tithe. And then, and then we're going to be generous. And we're going to plant a seed in someone else's world. And then pretending that this is half an apple, we're going to come over here and we're going to plant it. And the reason I wanted to do it like this is because it doesn't matter the size that you start with. All the tithe is still the tithe. All the seed still goes in the ground and produces a harvest. And over here, over time, even the smallest, the smallest investment, given enough time, will still grow an orchard. If nothing else, I want you to take away this image. 
because it represents what I believe the Scripture teaches us about financial stewardship, management with faith and wisdom. We can look at the story of Joseph and it tells us that what we do in the season of plenty sets us up for what we do in the season of lack. There's a couple of times where we hit the season of lack, you might say, when we're really young and when we're really old. Can I challenge you, if you're not really young and at this point in time not really old, and you're in a season of plenty, be wise with the provision God's given you because it will set you up to either provide for your own season of, of lack or the next generation's season of lack. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.